Indeed, in times like these, song has always been fitting for sure, but never more so perhaps than now. Turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read a verse here and then ultimately find what I would say is our text this morning in Isaiah 45. Ephesians chapter 6, we just want to read one verse before we spring on to our text in just a moment. Ephesians chapter 6, let's read here in verse number 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I don't have to tell you this morning that we live in tumultuous times. And if you were to talk about your life, you would say that has been true for the majority of the years that you can remember living upon the earth. We have seemed to always live in tumultuous times. And yet, these last months that we have called 2020 have seemed to push that to an entire new level, filled with upheaval, anarchy, and darkness. This verse rings true today and is a reminder of where our minds, where our focus, where our reality lies. That is that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. There's a lot of people that think we do today. We do not wrestle. We do not fight against our battle today. Is not against flesh and blood. That is not the case. But as this verse so aptly and directly describes, we wrestle today against principalities, against powers. We, re- we uh, wrestle today against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. We don't like to think about that, but that is the reality of our existence today. We like to, as we watch the news or read the paper or hear the reports of things that may be happening in our country, we like to think of it as a distant land, a far-off place. 
We like to think of ourselves even as immune from such uh, uh, difficulties because of where we live. And I'll, I'll admit, God has been good to us in placing us where he has. He has spared us much of the things that have gone on over the course of our lives. And yes, the things that are happening right now at this very moment. We have been blessed of God to live in a place that has been, uh, uh, that has been shielded from some of those things. Today, these powers, these forces have grown more bold in exercising more power in an open way than any of us can probably ever remember, if you will be honest with the things you've seen and the things you've experienced over the course of the last months and year. You don't have to look very hard or very far to see these enemies of ours at work today. Again, not flesh and blood, but the rulers of darkness, the spiritual powers of darkness, the principalities these that this verse describes. Remembering that our fight is not with flesh and blood, but with the power that lies behind, that is using them as a tool, and is using them to hinder the work of God, to strike fear into the hearts of God's people, and to turn upside down the life that we know. That is our reality today. And the more that we accept that and the more that we understand that, the better servants of God we will be in the time in which he has called us to live. Yes, we do like to think about the good times. We like to rejoice in the glories of heaven that has its place, of course. We know this world is not our home. We know that the majority of what is to come is not ours to experience. And yet we also know that as long as we are alive and remain in these bodies, we have a job to do in the work of the Lord. We have a part to play, and God will use us as such. Now having that thought in mind, let us go to Isaiah 45. Isaiah chapter number 45, we'll begin reading in verse number 18 when you get there. We have found ourselves a few times in Isaiah 45, in the first part of the chapter a few weeks ago, in the last part of the chapter, and some of the verses we'll read tonight, even on Wednesday, as we passed through and thought about some things about God. And here we find ourselves again in what some refer to as the Gospel of Isaiah, for how much it lifts up Christ, the coming Messiah. With these thoughts in mind, let us begin reading in verse 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I said not unto the seed of Jacob, seek ye me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image. And pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? 
And there is no God else beside me. A just God and a Savior, there is none beside me. Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. That unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say in the Lord, have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified, and shall glory. Now this presents to us, of course, several thoughts, but overarching among them is, of course, the fact that there is only one God. Many verses, many passages reflect upon this, of course, and point us to God, and he does so here as well. And it does us good to be reminded of that in such tumultuous times. That God created the earth. That he formed it. That he established it. And as he says here, he created it not in vain. Meaning that though it seems this earth is going to be destroyed by darkness, by anarchy. Though it seems as this world is going to be overcome by sin and destroyed uh, uh, in that way. Remember, God has not created it in vain. It will fulfill its purpose. And that purpose is to be a place that God and man, his creation, reside together in harmony and unity, in oneness. And that will be in time to come. Now there's a whole lot that will transpire between now and then. And I believe we're seeing, as we have for many years, the first parts of that unfold. That is what's transpiring around us now. That is what we are experiencing it's important to be reminded that God's plan has not altered nor changed, and that he has not in vain created the earth. Verse 19, he says that uh, when he commanded Jacob, or that is Israel, to seek him, he did not that in vain either, meaning that he would be able to be found of his people. In the darkness of times, in the tumultuous things that we experience, the anarchy that seems uh, to be in our biggest cities at this time, it may be hard for us to see God at work. We may feel like Job, not understand where he is. But rest assured that God has not said in vain, seek me, while I may be found, as he does in chapter 55 and verse 1. He still tells us to seek him, and we are to be seeking him today, and that command is not in vain. We are to still continue to do so. Verse 20, he says, Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together. We've done that this morning, haven't we? That's the purpose. He says, come near. And then he begins to talk about those that set up altars to and worship idols and pray to gods that cannot save in verse 20. He says, take them out of the nations. Take them from among you and bring them in. Those that set up the wood of their graven image, that pray unto a God that cannot save, tell ye and bring them near. Let them take counsel together, meaning let them learn that I am God. Let them understand who I am. Let them be exposed to the truth. What does this mean? It means that even and especially in the darkest and most tumultuous of times, we still have the duty, the responsibility, and the calling to stand tall for Jesus Christ. 
in the midst of a time in a sea of uncertainty, in the midst of what seems like spiritual danger all around, we cannot cower, we cannot fade away, we cannot uh, uh, simply go quietly into that good night, but we must stand and stand tall for Jesus. Even against those that set up the wood of the grave of image, that pray unto a God that cannot save. And that describes so many today. Are we to just chalk them up as lost? As a lost cause? As beyond help? No. God says, it's not in vain that I have called you unto me, and as you come unto me, bring those that worship false gods with you. That is our calling. That is our duty today. To teach them, as he says in verse 22, Look unto me, be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. God is the only way of salvation. He has always been and will always be. And it is to him, in him alone, that we are to be worshiping. To him and him alone that we are to be bringing those that are deceived by other things today. So often we uh, think that, uh, you know, as long as I just worship God and keep my head down, everything will be all right. I understand that thought. I get it. It seems safest and easiest. But is that what this passage is laying out for us? Is that what it's telling us to do? Just to keep our head down and not make waves? No, it's telling us to bring them in. To tell them that, that God is the only one that saves today. That He is God and there is none else. That the things they worship and the things they stand for are not able to save. Then in verse 23, where we really find our focus this morning. God says, I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. Because this is what I have to say unto all of you. That unto me every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall swear. A decree from God is given here that shows that all humanity will come before him, bow a knee in reverence, honor and worship. And every tongue shall swear or confess that he is the Lord and that there is none else, that he alone saves. They had been used to bowing down to false gods, false idols and altars. They had been having these in their lives. And even they will have to bow the knee to God Almighty and confess exactly what he is teaching here, that he is the only God, that there is salvation in no other except for him. I ask you today, have you so knelt today before Christ? Have you so confessed before our God? Look over to Philippians chapter 2. As Paul was uh, writing and teaching to the uh, saints at Philippi, he pulls this message out of Isaiah. And he brings it forward to the Philippians and forward to us as well. And talking about the life and ministry of Jesus Christ here in Philippians in chapter 2. 
verse 5, we can see he's talking about Christ. Who being in the form of God, verse 6, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Now it says here, as it did in Isaiah, that every knee shall bow. What's that mean? What, what, what does that phrase evoke in your mind? It means to bend, to kneel, to bow down, to sink down to one's knee. Kneel in reverence or worship too. In this way, everyone will confess Christ's lordship. They will either do it with joy, uh, you know, with joyful faith before they die upon the earth here, as many have done this morning, with joyful faith, believing that he is our Lord and Savior, that he died for us on the cross of Calvary, that he paid for our sin, that we are the children of God, that he is Lord, not of our life just because we have accepted him, but he is the Lord of all creation because he is God and there is none else. Or, or, we'll bow the knee with resentment and despair unto damnation. If the gospel is rejected and Christ is put off, but either way, the knee will still bow. Either way, the tongue will still confess. Either way, this will unfold. As we think about this imagery as one kneeling, as one bowing down, as one... Uh, uh, doing obeisance before another. Makes me consider all the ways as Christians, as God's children, we're being asked to bow the knee today. Not to our Heavenly Father, as He has commanded and as He has decreed. Not to the Lord Jesus Christ, as is talked about here but the spiritual wickedness in high places, the prince in the power of the air, the uh, uh, spiritual darkness in high places, all of those that we wrestle and fight against are asking us to bow the knee to ideologies, to religions, to lifestyles, to the powers of this world that they have set up to glorify and honor themselves. Now as we read there in Isaiah 45, there is no other God. There is no one else besides our Heavenly Father. I'm here to tell you today that as His children, we shall not bow the knee to anyone or anything except Jesus. We shall not worship. We shall not honor. We shall not do obeisance to anyone except Jesus Christ. God, our Heavenly Father. But that's not what the spiritual uh, darkness of this world wants. That's not what the powers that be, as you might say, are after. 
They want us to bow the knee to all the things they have set up today to detract, to blaspheme, and undermine, hinder, and outright destroy the kingdom of God, although we know it cannot be. We shall not bow the knee to hate groups. We shall not bend the knee to toleration, to religion, to any such thing today. We shall not do obeisance before uh, government or other spiritual dark powers that have been set up. We must reserve our worship, our honor, our obeisance for God and God alone. There is none else, none other worthy of worship, none other worthy of praise. The idols today are not the idols of old. The gods today are not the gods of old. If they were, we could surely spot them and turn away from them, and we would uh, very quickly. We would not bow down to a, a, a brass rendering uh, of uh, Baal. We would not, uh, you know, do obeisance unto, uh, you know, carving uh, of Diana or, or some other god the Ephesians had. We would not allow our children to be rolled into the fires of Molech. I'm pretty confident today that as children of God, we would not do that. That's exactly why Satan has brought other idols, other gods, other things before us that he desires us to bow down to. And we must refuse today. We must say no and not give in. Turn over with me to Esther chapter 3. I'd like you to see a couple examples of this. Like with most things... We find the physical example that teaches us spiritual lessons. And such is true here even in the book of Esther. Turning to chapter number 3, we find ourselves in the midst of the wonderful story that is the book of Esther. It's such a blessing to read and study, to see God at work so providentially in the lives of His children, or His people. Here in chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. We find highlighting Mordecai, who we know was a faithful man. Faithful man of God living in his own tumultuous times, wasn't he? When the Babylons, or Babylonians had taken away captive the nation of Israel, Judah. He was living there in Babylon, and um, we find that the government, if you will, was conspiring to slay all of the Jews. We know he would be used mightily with Esther to deliver them. But along the way, we see a great example of not bowing the knee. Not bowing the knee. Esther 3, verse 1. After these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamedatha, the Agatite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman. For the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. Then the king's servants, which were in the king's gates, said unto Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandment? Now it came to pass when they spake daily unto him, and he hearkened not unto them that they told Haman 
to see whether Mordecai's matter, matters would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. The word bowed here comes from the same Hebrew word that was translated uh, there in Isaiah 45 that talked about every knee, every knee shall bow. It's the same, uh, the same idea. And here the king had commanded that everybody in his court, in his house, and in his kingdom would bow down, worship, and reverence this man. That he would be receiving of such treatment from all those around. We see in verse number 2 that as this command came down, Mordecai had opportunity to uh, uh, subjugate himself to this, to honor the king's command. What do we see that he does? Mordecai bows not. He does not bend the knee. We see that the command of the king, the expectation of society was upon him. Every eye looked to him to see what he would do. He stood tall. Everyone else bowed in reverence, did obeisance, gave honor and worship the man Haman. And when everyone else was on their knee, and everyone else was uh, put down in that position before him, Mordecai stood tall. He would not give in to the command of the king. He would not give in to the pressure of the society around him and the expectation of it. No matter, no matter the argument that was given, for we know in verse 4, or we notice in verse 4, says they spake daily unto him. Daily, they would say, you need to do this. Don't you care? Don't you understand? Why aren't you with the times? Or why do you hate him so much? All of those kind of uh, arguments you can imagine happen. And instead of cowering to fear and bowing in reverence, that which he knew was wrong, Mordecai stood tall. He stood tall, and in doing so, he directed everyone else to Jesus Christ, ultimately. He directed everyone else to his God. Mordecai standing tall is a graphic representation for us today of exactly what we need to do. In the midst of the call to bow or bend our knee in reverence and in worship to the ideologies that are present in our day and that are being forced upon us even by uh, the news we watch and, and those that are uh, in those places of high power as we read from Ephesians chapter 6. This is exactly what we need to do. We need to refuse to bend the knee. They put pressure on him and still he did not bow. He bowed the knee only to Jesus and was used mightily for, for it to the glory of God. We know that his... Uh, 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 the outcome here was that he ended up saving with Esther all of the people of Israel. What a blessing that is to see all of these people being pointed to Christ, to God, because he was a man that would stand when everyone else would bow. I want you to see another example in, in Daniel chapter 3. No doubt this may already be in your mind, and we won't spend a lot of time on it uh, because you know the story so well that I don't need to go on and on or labor the point for you to get it here in Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, verse number 8. 
Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. When that music played, all of the kingdom that was gathered together, they were to bow the knee. They were to worship. They were to honor. They were to do obeisance to that image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And as the music played, they couldn't fall fast enough. They couldn't get down on their knee quick enough. They couldn't get low enough. Except for three men. These three men stood tall as all of the rest of them kneeled down. All the rest of them worshipped this image. They stood tall. And I don't have to tell you what the outcome of that is. You already know. When you're standing tall for Jesus, everybody sees you. Everybody takes note of what you're not willing to do. What you're not willing to participate in. And so on and so forth. They stood tall for Jesus. The same was true here. The command of the king. The expectation of society. All of this was upon them. And yet they bowed not the knee. Though they were under intense pressure. We all know from the story that he gave them a second chance. A private audience with the king. And you know what? They didn't even let him play the music. They just said, nope, we're not bowing down. They continued to stand tall. That's exactly how we need to be today. We need to continue to stand tall for Jesus. Stand tall for our Heavenly Father today. For truth. No matter. No matter how much it means that others are seeing or looking upon us. We're here in the book of Daniel. Turn over to chapter 6. I can't help but think of Daniel. We're going to notice here in verse 10 that his posture is reversed, but he is doing the very same. Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did before a time. Daniel was commanded not to pray. And in doing so, really what he was being told to do was to worship the government, the king, the law, instead of worshiping God. It's what he was being asked to do. And we notice here that when Daniel knew it was signed, he chose the opposite. And he stood tall for Jesus. He stood tall for God. By kneeling before him. Honoring, praising, glorifying him. In this posture, not only of obedience, but certainly honor 
in worship and prayer. What a glorious thing to see these men standing tall. In the face of adversity and tumultuous times, God calls upon his people to stand. To stand tall. We read also, if you'll turn with me, a couple more verses to look at this morning. 2 Chronicles 29, 29. Just to see this phrase used of bowing the knee and seeing it used in a positive way. 2 Chronicles 29, 29. There came a time when Hezekiah restored the house of God, cleansed the house of God, set the Levites back in order, restored worship, and in doing so, they offered sacrifice. And as part of this service, if you will, in verse 29, when they had made an end of offering, the king and all that were present with him bowed themselves and worshipped. Bowed themselves and worshipped. Who were they bowing to? They weren't bowing to Hezekiah. They weren't bowing to a man. They weren't bowing to an ideology. They weren't bowing to fear. They weren't bowing to a group. They weren't bowing because of the demands of society that were upon them, but they were bowing in worship to their God. And God alone. Let that be said of us today. We can also read in 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 3, at the dedication of the temple when it was built, there was uh, also uh, the same uh, worship to be had, the same need to be bowed, the same, uh, the same honor to be given. Let us turn over to Psalm 95. Psalm chapter 95. <clears throat> As this psalm begins, he calls us to sing praise with our lips, to honor God with that sacrifice of thanksgiving, a joyful noise unto the Lord, because He is God. He is above all, as Isaiah has told us as well, sovereign over all things. Notice here in verse number 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. What a powerful verse when we put it in the context of the times in which we live. Let us kneel before our Maker. Let us worship. Let us bow down in reverence and praise. Let us kneel before our Maker and none else. Let us worship. Let us bow down. Not before a crucifix or an image. Not before a picture of a man someone has named a saint. Not before shapes of iron and brass or gold and silver. Not before altars of false gods or idols or ideology. Not before fellow citizens, not before anything or anyone other than our Maker. And let us do that with all that we have, with passion, with praise, with purpose, with honor, with heart, with vigor. Let us worship our God as we bow our knee, as we're called to in Isaiah 95. I mean, Psalm 95 here. Oh, come, let us worship. Bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For years we have been called to tolerate the things that the Bible says are an abomination. And despite uh, our outrage, despite our resistance, they have continued. 
Society doesn't want our toleration anymore. They want our knee bowed and they want us doing reverence and worship and obeisance to those things. To those things that they have asked us to tolerate all these years. It's not good enough anymore just to, uh, uh, just to, uh, for it to exist. But now society is calling on us to say we were wrong. Let us worship those things. They are true. They are right. We shall only bow our knee to God, our maker. He deserves it. He is the only one that can call for such worship to come. Let us honor, let us praise, let us bow down to him and to him alone. Let's turn back to Ephesians chapter 6 to bring this to a conclusion. Ephesians chapter 6. We're reminded here of where we began that our fight is not against people, but against the powers that control them. So hatred is not our answer. It never has been, at least not a people. We know what depravity is. We know what sin is, and we know what it does. So it doesn't surprise us. Our fight is not with flesh and blood. Our fight is with the powers behind that control, that motivate them. It tells us here in verse number 11. Well, let's read verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He knows his time is short. He knows that the season is upon him when he will be cast into that lake of fire. First into the bottomless pit we know for a thousand years and then afterwards uh, certainly into the lake of fire for all eternity. He knows his time is short. And as you read of the horrors of revelation that will unfold as the seals are broken and as the tribulation unfolds, as God pours out His wrath upon this earth, Satan is gearing up for that. He has been for a while. He plays the long game he always has. And he is bolder today than he has ever been. And he's only going to grow bolder by the hour. Understand that, by the hour. Not by the year, not by the month, by the week or day, but by the hour he grows bolder knowing that time is short. We're not wrestling against our fellow man. We're wrestling against him. Remember that as you deal with your fellow man. Oh, certainly we don't agree. We're not going to bow down to what they uh, may want us to. But understand that doesn't mean we should hate them. But certainly our fight is against Satan. All of his demonic forces and all those uh, uh, that he brings to bear upon us. Now, one of the temptations that Satan brought to Christ was for him to bow the knee. There in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, the last temptation, after he'd already tested him on hunger and, and on you know, casting himself off and tempting the sovereignty of God, the last thing he said unto Christ was, bend the knee to me. Bow to me. People think that what we're hearing today is new. It's not new. 
Since day one, when God created Adam and Eve, Satan has been striving to get man to bow the knee to him instead of God. And in some respects, he's winning that war with humanity at large. And he knows he can't take our soul, but if he can get us to bow the knee, just like he was striving to get Christ to bow the knee, certainly is a coup for him. And if Satan will come to the very face of Christ and will say unto him, you bow before me, don't think that we're above it. Oh yes, we've been isolated. We've been blessed. We've been withheld from many things that have happened in this country that are happening even now in our society. But rest assured that that does not mean that he is not even presently at this moment trying to get your heart in your mind to bow to him even though he's not asking physically for you to be on your knee bowing in his presence because that's where that's where this is won and lost it might be a physical knee open for all to see but far more often we are we are tempted we are called upon to bend the knee of our heart Accept the ways of Satan or the darkness that's in the world. To accept the things that are going on around us. You know what that looks like? That first looks like accepting it here means it changes my actions. And then if it changes my actions, then how does it change how I lead my family or how I instruct my children? It certainly does, doesn't it? Stand tall today. Don't bend the knee of the heart or of the soul. Don't bend the knee of conviction and belief. Stand tall, even though no one else even knows the battle is raging within. God knows. Stand tall. Don't accept his ways. What shall we do today? Well, right here in Ephesians 6, we notice again, verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore? Take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the blessed parade of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching unto with all preservations and supplication for the saints. Verse 14 again, he says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about. Stand tall today. This armor was not made for kneeling. This armor was not made for bowing down to the ideologies of the world, to Satan, to any of his forces to any of the call of society, to governments or whatever. But this armor was made to stand, to take the fight to the enemy. And I pray that you'll be stirred up in your heart today to do exactly that. Because that's what we need to be doing. We may see it played out in the news. We may see it uh, in the thoughts and opinions of our co-workers. We may find all of those things calling for our acceptance, calling for our not just acceptance anymore and toleration, but worship. Don't give it. Refuse. Refuse to give it. Even if it means that those around you think you're crazy. 
Give it. Or I'm sorry, don't give it. Stand. Stand. Just like Mordecai refused to bend the knee. Just like the three Hebrew children refused to bow down. Just like Daniel in his day refused to kneel to the government and kneel only to God or whatever force may be acting upon us. Now you may sit there today and say, you know what, I don't feel any of this is happening to me in my life right now. In my opinion, if that's how you feel at this moment, the greatest thing that needs to happen to you today is for your eyes to be open. And for you to become unsettled by what you see, by what's going on around you. As I said, God has blessed us with where we live. Many of us, the lives we have lived, uh, because of that, have been withheld from many of these things. And yet we see over the course of this year how our lives have been touched and impacted by so much. How much more will yet be? Draw a line in the sand and say, here I stand. I can do no else or I can do no other. I know that quote is attributed to Martin Luther and certainly we don't agree with him on all the things that he believed and stood for. He did a good thing but didn't do, do it enough or far enough. But boy, when they asked him to recant, when they asked him to give up, when they asked him to uh, say, no, I don't believe all the things I've said, he looked him all in the face in the threat of death. And he said, here I stand. I can do no other. Let us be of that conviction and persuasion. Let us not be chameleon Christians in the midst of a tumultuous world. But let us instead stand tall for Jesus Christ today. He stood tall for us. And all how we need to do the same. Pray that God would bless these words that they would stir up our hearts. And it may not look much different from the outside. You know, we, we may not, uh, and hopefully not, we won't be on the evening news, all that kind of thing. But the determination of heart to live your life in such a way that you're refusing to bow is exactly what we need. And I pray that that's the case today in your heart and life. Well, how we pray the Lord would bless and watch over us this morning. We're thankful that he's allowed us to gather together here today to examine this portion of his word, to be blessed through uh, the things that have been brought to us, and we pray they will sink deep into our hearts here today. We'll have a word of prayer and be dismissed. Ask God to bless on our departing uh, from our time together here this morning. And just ask that he would continue to be with us throughout the course of our lives, that he would give us wisdom to live in the midst of a uh, difficult world that we find ourselves in and just getting more difficult. We pray that God will watch over us as we depart here this morning. Remember, we're going to dismiss back to front. Uh, if anybody wants to talk or say anything to anybody, you know, you can always uh, do so in the parking lot at a safe distance. Uh, but uh, there are those that would rather not do that. So we want to make sure that traffic flow stays clear for everybody. And so uh, uh, we pray that God will bless and that uh, he'll be with each one until we can gather together again in person next Sunday, uh, Zoom meeting Wednesday evening, as we have been. Pray that God would bless in all of these things, that he would watch over us as we depart here uh, this morning. Uh, let's pray. Lord, our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day you've given us. We thank you for your blessings and your watch care. We thank you, Father, for your mercy, grace, and love and the many ways that you bestow your loving kindness upon us. Oh, Father, we just thank you so much for all the blessings you have given to us. We thank you for the ways that you have worked in our lives and shown us a grace, love, and mercy over the course of time. Oh, Father, we pray that you would just bless and be with us throughout uh, this time as we leave here this morning. We pray that you would uh, keep us safe until we meet together again, Lord willing, Wednesday uh, by digital means, next Sunday back here again. Pray that you'd keep us all. 
Help us, Father, not to cower, not to bow the knee, not to give in, but, Father, to stand tall. We pray that you would forgive us where we have failed you, that you would bless as we depart even now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.